ladies. If you will open your Bibles to Joshua 2, please. Let me step the stage a little bit here. So um, Moses and the Israelites have left Egypt where they were held in captivity. And, and you know, uh, God parted the Red Sea and they marched right through the Red Sea and they were supposed to go into the promised land, but they kept being disobedient. So instead they wandered through the desert for 40 years, 40 long years. Well, now Moses has died and a new leader has come on to um, lead the Israelites into the promised land. And his name is Joshua. So we're going to start in Joshua 2, verse 1. And then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from there. I practice this word in my car coming up here. And, you know, I don't speak English. I speak Texan. And it just wasn't working. And so I just thought the safe thing was to say the two spies were from there. And then they said, go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab, Rahab and stayed there. So Rahab was a prostitute, so that was probably the spies thought, well, this is kind of a safer place for us to go because for, to see unusual foreign men go in and out, people aren't paying attention because that's just the way it is every day. And we aren't told how Rahab came to be a prostitute. Was it a choice? Was it a necessity? Did she wake up every morning going, how did I get here? Have you ever woken up and just gone, how did I get here? Back in 1991, I woke up at Fort Polk, Louisiana and went, how <laughs> did I get here? And I remembered, oh yeah, he's really cute. Okay, that's how I ended up here. So we just don't know how she ended up there. And I'm gonna continue in verse two. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. So Rahab's at a decision point. She has a choice to make. If she turns the spies over to the king like the king has commanded, she probably will be a hero for a little moment. Maybe have her 15 minutes of fame. And certainly the spies would be killed. But if she chose to hide them instead and is found out, she certainly will die. And maybe some of her family members. So she had a decision. She had a choice to make. What decisions are you making daily? What decisions did you make this morning? If I asked you, you might only kind of come up with one or two. Because the thing is, we're constantly making decisions but our decisions have become a habit. So we've stopped thinking about them. We just do it. I yell at my children every morning as we're trying to get in the car to go to school. That's a decision that's become a habit. Every night I just tell my husband no. That's a decision that's become a habit. I see concerns over there, but I'm gonna walk this way. <laughs> A decision that has become a habit. I binge on food, I binge on alcohol, I binge on Netflix, whatever it is. Decisions that have become a habit. We have a choice. We have a choice. So she had a choice, and we're going to see what she chose, starting in verse 4. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, the men left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. 
So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. She took a huge risk because if she was found out, it meant death for her and probably her family. Here, this is on your listening guide. It's the one that has Rahab at the top. It's a fill in the blank. Rahab chose to hide them without any assurance, without any assurance that her decision was the safe decision. That her decision was the safe decision. I don't know about you, but I tend to be, you bet God I'll do that as long as you offer that guarantee. Of course I'll be kind to her as long as she's kind back to me. We want assurances before we respond. But we're going to find out why she made the choice she did without an assurance of her safety. Continuing in verse 8. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you, of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. There it is. Your God is God. That's why she made the tough choice, the hard choice, because she recognized God is God. It was enough for her. Is it enough for you? Is it enough for you? This is how God works. He reveals himself to the, anybody who just opens their heart a little bit to, for him. So continuing in verse 12. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. I think, the Bible doesn't tell us this, but I think she um, took a huge risk again when she said, thank you so much for saving me, but oh, by the way, I want to bring a lot of people with me. That's kind of like pushing it a little bit. Anybody that has children know that you can be pushed a little bit to change your mind, right? No, I said yes, but I've now decided it's no. You've just pushed it a little too far. Was she pushing it when she said, okay, I want you to not only rescue me, but my mom, my dad, my brothers and their families, my sister and their families? She took a risk, a risk again. She wasn't selfish. Are we remembering others? Are we forgetting or choosing to not help others? We're just taking care of ourselves. Who are we leaving behind? We can't save, but we can bring them to the Savior. So I'm going to continue in verse 14. Our lives for your life, the men assured her. If if you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. Now she had said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there for three days until they return and then go on your way. The men said to her, this oath you made with us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land, you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother and brothers and all your family into the house, if anyone goes outside your house into the street, his blood will be on your own head. We will not be responsible. As for anyone who is in the house with you, his blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on him. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath you have made us swear. 
Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. So she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. I did a little teaching at um, Joanne's Fabrics. When I bought this cord, the young woman, it was so fun. I started talking to her because I obviously knew nothing about buying fabric, cord, anything. I didn't know how to do it. I was ready to go find a pair of scissors and just, you know, okay, here's what I need. And she was like, ma'am, ma'am, can I help you? And I said, well, yes, I need about a, a yard and a half of this. And she said, okay, let, let me do it, please. And so I was like, it's for a teaching moment. I'm teaching about Rahab, ever heard of her? And so anyway, she unfortunately had never um, heard about the Bible, but it was a great moment for me to tell her. There are some awesome stories in there. And um, so anyway, always look for those opportunities to share a little something, something with the people around you. So anyway, she hung the cord. And the thing is, it reminds me when I read that of another time that um, crimson was used to protect a home from death. And if you're not familiar with the story, it's when the Israelites were waiting to escape from Egypt. And I'm just going to read the passage from that. It's Exodus 12, verses 12 through 13. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals. And I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be assigned for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. So once again, the sign of crimson was protection. It was protection for this prostitute and her loved ones. So we're going to continue in verse 22. When they left, they went into the hills, this is the spies, and stayed there three days until the pursuers had searched all along the road and returned without finding them. Then the two men started back. They went down out of the hills, forded the river, and came to Joshua, son of Nun, and told him everything that had happened to them. They said to Joshua, The Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. So the spies have gone back to Joshua to report, and there's a ton of stuff that happens then. Now Rahab probably in the meantime, she has gathered her mother and her father and her brothers and their families and her sisters and their families. And so the Israelites, the first thing they do is they have to cross the river, the Jordan River. And so I imagine this, this, the Israelites, it's a huge, huge community, huge. And so I'm sure this took quite a bit of time to get all those people. It's a beautiful story. If you get a chance, read about it. Um, and they crossed the Jordan River. And then the tradition of the Jews was after a, a boy, was, a male child was born, he, within a few days he was circumcised. Well, the 40 years that they spent in the desert, they didn't circumcise any of the males that were born. And God told them, you know what? Every uncircumcised male needs to be circumcised. And so that's kind of every 40-year-old and younger. So I'm sure that took some time. And not only that, I'm thinking they weren't ready to just jump up and go to war. That took maybe a little time and rest to recover from. So that took a little bit of time. And then they celebrated Passover. And that's one of their traditions. And it took about seven days to do that. So in the meantime, Rahab and her family are waiting. And I don't know this, but I picture that Rahab's house was not large enough necessarily to comfortably fit her mother, her father, her brothers and their families, and her sisters and their families. And can you imagine the anxiety that was going on, the waiting? We made an oath. They probably looked constantly for any sign 
of the Israelite army to arrive, do you think maybe there was a little bit of temper problems and frustration? And so Rahab had to wait a long time. I want you to take a moment at your table and discuss how do you, how do you think Rahab was doing in the in-between, between the time of the oath and the time she had to wait. But more, I would like you to spend more time on what are you waiting on right now? These questions are in your listening guide. What are you waiting on right now? And you don't necessarily have to share the details, but you can just share, you know what, I'm waiting on something. My husband and I are waiting on something right now. And it's so interesting because how we're waiting is so different. Our personalities really shine through in how we wait. And so are you waiting on something? And then the last question, I really want you to get to this. How do you demonstrate your faith on a daily basis while you wait? Mm -hmm.